If you're struggling with alcohol or drugs, Recovery Centers of America can help. The holidays are over, the new year is here, and the time to act is now. Expert private care at Recovery Centers of America will get you on the road to recovery today at our award-winning and fully accredited treatment centers on the Eastern Shore and in Southern Maryland, you will be treated with compassion, dignity, and respect by our dedicated team of professionals. You will also benefit from specialized programs, 24-hour medical care, and the comfort of our outstanding facilities. Let us help you. We will answer your call 24-7 and can get you into treatment as soon as today. If outpatient care is right for you, you can receive a same-day assessment and attend therapy in person or virtually. And because we accept most private insurance plans, you get premium care without the premium price. Don't wait. Start your new year. Start your new life today. Call 1-888-RECOVERY now. That's 1-888-RECOVERY. We're going to be learning the third piece in Hilchah Sukkah in Chidush Rabbi Nochaim Halevi. This is on the Rambam Perak Hey Halacha Chaf Aleph. And Rab Chaim's dealing with a fairly technical issue regarding the halachas of schach, which is uneven, and how under halacha we can combine all that schach together. The uh, principles that he's dealing with are what we call chavut rami, which means that we take the upper section and we view it as if it's uh, put together with the lower section and it's all one unit. And also lavud, by which we view the wall as if it's continuous, even though there's a hole in the middle. So the Rambam says the following, If the schach is uneven, meaning that the, some of it is above, some of it is below, it's not in a straight line, it's kosher. That's assuming that there isn't a space of three tfachim between the two schachs. So if you have three tfachim, that's always a break in halacha, but so long as it's less, then it can be combined. Now, if the upper section of the schach, the one on top, is itself a tefach wide or more than a tefach, so then, then even if there is a space larger than three tfachim, we still apply this principle of chavut rami. We view it as if the upper section is combined with the lower section. And it's kosher tzach, even though there's a larger area, a larger space than three tfachim. But because the upper section of tzach has a width, of a tefach, so then it's uh, combined with the lower tefach. And finally, the Rambam adds one more criteria, that the upper section of the schach has to be parallel, it has to be in a line with the lower section of the schach. This is going to be uh, what Rab Chaim is going to try to understand, what this means, that it has to be parallel to the lower section. So he begins with the Kesef Mishnah, who explains two options for what this last line means. And the Kesef Mishnah there quotes that there are some Rishonim who hold that in order to apply the principle of Chavut Rami, so this principle in Halacha that you can combine the upper section with the lower section, it's only if the width of the upper section is the equivalent of the space uh, of the lower section. So uh, let's say the lower section is missing a tefach and the upper section is a tefach, so then you could see it as if the upper section is connected with the lower section. But if the upper section is wider than a tefach, so then you cannot see it as if it's combined, as if it's been lowered into the lower section. 
So the Kesemishnah says that if the Rambam holds like this Shita and the Rishonim, that would make sense what the Rambam said at the end, that you cannot have the upper level, the upper section be wider than the space beneath it that you're trying to fill in. We don't apply Chavud Rami in that case. So that's what the Rambam meant by saying that it has to be parallel. It cannot be larger than the space beneath it. So that's option number one, according to the Kesef Mishnah, how to read it. And according to that, the Rambam would agree with this Shita and the Rishonim, that in order to apply Chavud Rami, the area on top, which you're trying to condense into the bottom area, cannot be larger than the space beneath it. Now, Reb Chaim is bothered by this, but uh, he's not bothered by the reading of it in the Rambam, that he could accept, but he's bothered by the actual Shita and the Rishonim. Uh, he thinks that this idea that in order to apply Chavud Rami, the area on top, the unit on top, can't be larger than the space, goes against a Mishnah in Ohalos. Those deal with the laws of Tumas Mace, of having a body, a dead body, uh, in a room, and how the Tuma extends throughout the room. And Rav Chaim was very involved with that area of Halachi, as many pieces on it later in the Sefer. So the Mishnah there in Perik Yudalid records a machlokus between Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yoshua in the case which it's talking about, which is if you have two zizin, two poles or two boards, which are on top of each other, there's a space between them, and there's some sort of tuma either below or between or on top. So there's different halachas over there. So the Mishnah says that if hayah ha'elyon odef al hatachton, the upper board extends above the lower board, poseach tefach, it's uh, more than a tefach wider. So then if you have tuma, which is under the boards or in the middle, so then under and in the middle is tameh. Let's say yahaya ha'elyon odef al hatachton pachos mi tefach. Let's say the upper board extends beyond the lower board less than a tefach. So in that case, the halacha is that if the tuma is underneath the boards, so then underneath and in the middle is all Tameh. But let's say the Tumah is in between the boards or it's under the space uh, in the extension. So it's only under the extension of the upper board beyond the lower board. It's not under the lower board. So there Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Yeshua have a machlokus. Rabbi Eliezer, Omer Tachtein, Uvenehen Tameh. Rabbi Eliezer says that under it and in the middle, the whole area is all Tameh, underneath both boards. Uh, Rabbi Yoshua says that between them and under the extended area is Tameh, but Tachtehen Tahor, the area under the boards is, would be Tahor. So that is the Mishnah in Perak Yudalad, that's the Mishnah Hay. Now Rab Chaim points out that this Machlokas is effectively the same as the Machlokas that Rabbi Yezner and Rabbi Yoshua have in the Mishnah before that, in Mishnah Dalad. Uh, there the case is that you have a ziz, you have this board or pole uh, which goes around a house and there's tumma under the pole. So Rabbi Eliezer metameh sabayis, Rabbi Eliezer holds that the whole house is tameh because the tumma is under the pole and Rabbi Yeshua holds that the house is tahor. So these are the same machlokas because in the case of the house, Rabbi Eliezer holds that having tumma under the board extends to the entire house. So in the same way, he holds that tuma under the extended area uh, goes into all, the entire area under both boards. It uh, extends throughout all of that space. And Rabbi Yeshua, who holds that it won't extend from the pole into the house, so he holds that it won't extend also from the extended area into the area under the lower pole. Now, Reb Chaim's point he's uh, building up here, too, is that in the 
earlier case of the Mishnah in Mishnah Hay, when the upper pole extended more than a tefach, so there there was no machlokas or Eliezer and Rabbi Yeshua. Everybody agreed that the entire space, everything that's under the lower pole, is still tameh. So there's a difference in Rabbi Yoshua between whether there's a tefach extending outwards or whether there's less than a tefach. If there is a tefach, an extension of at least a tefach wide, so then Rabbi Yoshua also agrees that the whole thing would become tame. And the reason for this distinction is because when there's less than a tefach, so then that's Tumas Zizin Rabbanan, that's uh, not Midoraisa, the Rabbanan added that. So there Rabbi Yoshua holds that we don't extend it into the whole space. You can't bring the tuma from that drabonan tuma and extend it into the whole area. But when there's more than a tefach, so then there you, you don't apply the rabbanan's decree, but it's a dindo raisa. The Torah said that in that case it would be considered an ohel, it's a roof, and it brings in the tuma. So once it's a tuma do raisa, so then certainly it's going to extend to the entire area. It goes from that extension, which is a tefach, and it goes into the space even under the other board, the lower board. Now, the fact that it can extend from the higher board, from that extension, and go under another ohel, the lower board, is because of the principle of chavud rami. We apply that halacha that we collapse the upper section to the lower, and that's what uh, allows the Tumah to go from one Ohel to the next. So says Rab Chaim that the, this application of Chavud Rami in this Mishnah seems to say very, very clearly that even when the upper section, the upper area, is larger than the lower area, like in that case, the upper area extends farther, it goes out farther than the lower area, we still say Chavud Rami. So this seems to be an explicit contradiction uh, to this shita in the Rishonim that holds that we only say Chavud Rami when the upper area is the equivalent of the space beneath it. Now, Reb Chaim has a second question, which is uh, similar to this, and uh, that is there's a halacha of an Aruba window, uh, which uh, the halacha is that if you have a, a window between a house and an attic, second floor, so the roof of the attic connects with the roof of the house and it brings the tuma into the entire house. Again, that's an instance of Chavud Rami. And again, says Rab Chaim, the roof of the attic is much larger than the window. So according to this Shita and the Rishonim, how could we say Chavud Rami in that case? He references a piece that he has about a window, uh, whether that is a case of Chavud Rami or not. It does not appear in Chidush Rabbeinu Chaim HaLevi. There's a little footnote on the bottom, uh, but it does appear in Chidushe HaGrach Al HaShas, in uh, the writings that were collected of Reb Chaim's ideas on Shas. So there is some question in the Rishonim as to whether or not you actually apply Chavud Rami in that case, uh, but if you do apply Chavud Rami to the window, so then again, this is a second question where the roof, the area on top, is much larger than the opening on the bottom, and we're still applying Chavud Rami. And finally, Rab Chaim has another question. He quotes a, a Tosefta that the Rash quotes in uh, the Parakid Bays of Alos, Mishnah Hay. Uh, according to the Rash, the Tosefta says that if you have uh, walls, beams of a house and a, a second floor, an attic, and they're done in a lattice type of way, so they cross over each other, and there's tumma under one of the beams, 
So then it goes to the uh, entire area. It spreads throughout. So Rabbi Chaim points out that if they're done in a lattice way, if they're crisscrossing, so then uh, certainly the beams on top are not covering the uh, space beneath it. Uh, and the, still we apply Chavud Rami. So that would seem to be a very clear indication, unlike this Shita that the Kesef Mishnah quotes, this position in the Rishonim, that Chavud Rami has to be actually physically the right amount of space that the upper area would cover the space beneath it. So these three cases, the Mishnah and Alos, which tells us that according to everyone, it will extend from the extension, which is more than a tefach, to the other areas uh, next to it. The case of the roof on top of a window, and uh, the case, this last case of a crisscross lattice type of walls. So all of those cases, we see that chavud rami is a halachic principle, even if it's not going to fit in properly in the space beneath it. Now, the Kesev Mishnah has a second reading of that line in the Rambam, and this is basically the opposite of the first reading, uh, but it's actually parallel. It's actually the same explanation. Uh, that is that the Kesev Mishnah says that perhaps the Rambam is excluding a case where the upper section is smaller than the space beneath it. All right. So the first explanation was that the upper section is larger than the space beneath it. And then now says the Kesef Mishnah the other way, that what happens if the upper section is smaller, so the space beneath it is a few tfachim, and the upper section is only a tefach, or a little more than a tefach, uh, so it wouldn't fit in there. So again, we don't say chavud rami, um, and that's what the Rambam means, that it has to be parallel, it has to be the same size as the space beneath it, in order to fill it in completely. If there's going to be extra added space there, so then we would not say Chavut Rami in that case. So Reb Chaim points out that the Kesef Mishnah here is not saying that if you were to put the upper unit into the space, there would be three Tfachim left over, because that would be absul in any sukkah. That, that's not a halacha in this specific situation. Any time that you have three Tfachim, so then that's too large an opening, and that would be a problem. Uh, so it must mean that the Kesef Mishnah is saying there's less than three Tfachim. So the, it's not an issue... In, with regard to the schach, the problem doesn't stem from the schach. Uh, it stems from the principle of chavud rami. Chavud rami, according to this shita, has to fit in perfectly. The problem is a chavud rami problem, not a schach problem. And that's why we say we won't apply this halacha unless the upper unit is the same size as the bottom opening, the space that needs to be filled in. So uh, says Rab Chaim, once that's the case, so then this effectively is the same as the first shita, even though it's uh, the opposite case. In this case, the upper unit is smaller than the opening, but it's effectively saying the same thing, that the upper unit has to fit in perfectly into the space beneath it in order to apply chavut rami. So once that's the case, and uh, the second sheet is really the same as the first sheet, uh, both of them hold that it has to be a perfect fit. So then again, we're going to have all the problems that uh, we asked on the first sheet. All those problems are also questionable on the second sheet. So Rab Chaim's uh, question so far on the Kesef Mishnah is, again, not a, a literary one. He's not bothered by reading this within the Rambam. Uh, he's okay with that part of it, but he questions the notion that chavud rami has to be a perfect fit. So Rab Chaim's first approach here is a lumdisha distinction between Tumah and Sukkah. He says that there's a fundamentally a difference between what we need to accomplish when it comes to the Schach 
and uh, what we need to accomplish when it comes to Tuma. And he says that when it comes to Sukkah, we have to create a unity between the Schach and the walls. It all has to be one unit. In order that the Schach is considered to be on top of the walls. So in that situation, we do need Chavud Rami because otherwise they're going to be seen as separate units. So we have to combine them through Chavud Rami. But when it comes to Tumah, says Rab Chaim, we don't care to combine the two different roofs together. That's not part of the halacha. There is no halacha when it comes to Tumah that it should all be one ohel, that it all has to be one roof. Even if we're going to view them as two separate roofs, two separate units, still the Tumah can extend from one to the other. So long as there's a, a roof here, so then it extends the Tumah. So in that situation, says Rav Chaim, we don't even need Chavud Rami. Our goal when it comes to Tumah is not to establish whether or not they're all one unit, it's only to establish whether the Tumah extends. And that can be done even without Chavud Rami, so long as there are Ohalim here, so long as there are roofs, so then the Tumah will go from one to the next. So this is the fundamental difference. This is why uh, there is no question on the Shita and Rishonim, because they are saying that Chavud Rami, which applies by Sukkah, only applies if it's a perfect fit. All of the questions that Rab Chaim's asking from Hilchus Oalos, from Hilchus Tumas Mace, where it's clear that you don't need the Chavud Rami to be a perfect fit. So the reason over there is because you don't actually need Chavud Rami whatsoever. The uh, Tuma works differently that it goes from Ohel to Ohel under the Halachas of Ohalos having nothing to do with Chavut Rami. So that's the Reb Chaim's answer to this question. Now, the problem is that the Gemara in Sukkah, which deals with this halacha on Chavbeza Aleph, the Gemara there does apply the case of Tumah to Chavut Rami. So according to Reb Chaim's distinction, why does the Gemara apply Tumah to Chavut Rami if we don't need Chavut Rami there? So Reb Chaim explains because that case is talking about where there is less than a tefach under the beam. So since each beam doesn't have a tefach, it does not have a, it's not considered an ohel. And therefore, you only can consider this an ohel if you have chavud rami. You need chavud rami in order to create the whole concept of an ohel in this case. Otherwise, you just have less than a tefach and it's not an ohel at all. But in a case where you already have a tefach and you have two beams next to each other and both have a tefach, so then in that situation, you don't need Chavud Rami because each of them has their own Ohel. So if so, says Rab Chaim, when do we ever apply Chavud Rami to Tumah? Because if each of the beams has a Tefach, you don't need Chavud Rami. If it's less than a Tefach, we don't apply Chavud Rami. So in which case would we ever apply Chavud Rami to Tumah? This would seem to imply that this Chiddush is incorrect. And even if there is more than a tefach, you still require chavud rami. Otherwise, we have no case where chavud rami would apply to tumah. So Rab Chaim explains that there is a case where you need chavud rami in tumah, and that is where the higher beam has more than a tefach, but the lower beam is less than a tefach. So the lower beam alone is not an ohel, and only by combining the higher beam with the lower beam do you create an ohel 
for the lower beam. So that's a situation where we would apply Chavud Rami because the higher beam does have a Tefach, so we can apply it. Um, and we need to apply it because the lower beam does not have a Tefach, and that's a situation where Tuma would require Chavud Rami. But if both of them have a Tefach, then it's true you would not need to apply Chavud Rami in a case of Tuma. So this would be the uh, solution to this sheet in Rishonim. The reason why in all these cases of Tumah you're able to combine the Tumah even though the Chavud Rami doesn't fit because the higher beam is much larger than the lower beam is because you don't need a uh, Chavud Rami in that case. The Ohel, since they both have a Tefah, so the Ohel itself combines the Tumah. Um, only in a case of sukkah do you need chavud rami in order to create the structure of the sukkah to combine the schach with the walls. And in that situation, the Rishonim say that it would need to fit properly. Otherwise, we don't apply chavud rami. Now, Reb Chaim has some questions on this approach, and he's ultimately going to reject this approach and offer a second one. His question is from one of the cases of the Mishnah in Olos is, let's say the higher beam... Uh, extends beyond the lower beam less than a tefach. And there's tuma under the extension. So the rule in that case is that between the beams and under the extension is tamay, but uh, under the beams themselves, under both beams, is tahor. Now, says Rav Chaim, if the principle over here is that ohalos, even two different ohalim, combine and the tuma extends beyond all of them, so why shouldn't the tuma go from the extension area into the rest of the area, the rest of the beam, and uh, have all of it be tame, even under the beams proper. The only explanation for this is that we're relying on chavud rami, and chavud rami we don't say for the extension, because the extension itself is less than a tefach, that's the case that we're talking about. So since the extension is less than a tefach, we say in that situation that there's no chavud rami, and that's why the tumah does not extend into the rest of the beam, and into the regular part, which uh, has the lower beam under it. So uh, that, this seems to be very clear proof that Chavud Rami is the principle by which Tuma extends uh, from one part of the Ohel to the next, or from one Ohel to the other one. And it's not just a, a separate halacha, a different halacha of Ohalos, or of Tuma, that it extends. Because if it's a regular halacha of Tuma, so then there doesn't seem to be a reason why, if the extension is less than a tefach, the tumah does not extend into the regular part, the main part of the beam. So uh, this would negate Rab Chaim's explanation, his first approach, that we don't need chavud rami when it comes to tumah, uh, but this seems to indicate very clearly this halacha, that we do need chavud rami even in a case of tumah. Says Rab Chaim, not so fast. Maybe we could argue that we don't need Chavud Rami in a case of Tumah. And still there's an explanation why the Tumah does not go from the extension area into the main body, so to speak, of this beam. And the explanation, says Rab Chaim, is because since there's less than a Tefach in this extension area, it's not in Ohel with regard to the Halacha of Ohalos to extend the Tumah into the main part of the beam. So it is a, a halacha in ohalos. It's not about chavod rami. And still, because the extension is less than a tefach, it does not extend the tumah into the main part. If that section would be a separate ohel, then it's true. Like Rab Chaim suggested, we would say that it goes from one ohel to the next, even if there's not a unity, even if they're not combined. But because here we're dealing with less than a tefach, so it's not even a real 
uh, ohel in and of itself, and therefore we don't apply the halachas of ohelos, that it goes from one ohel to the next, because this is not an ohel. Why is the section under the extended area tame if it's not an ohel? So Rab Chaim says that's a little bit of a, a different halacha, which is that we view tuma as going all the way up. So when the tuma goes all the way up to this extension, it's mitame, that extension, and that's mitame, whatever's in that area, but it's not the regular halacha of ohalos because this extension is viewed separately as a less than a tefach ohel, which is not considered a proper ohel when it comes to tuma. So now Reb Chaim, uh, after this back and forth, finally he decides that it has to be Chavut Rami. And the reason for that, he says, is because this last part of the equation is not correct. Anything which is connected to an ohel, even if it's less than a tefach, is considered part of the ohel. So even though this little extension is less than a tefach, it's still a part of the broader ohel, and it's certainly going to be considered a full ohel when it comes to tuma. So we cannot argue that the small extension part is not considered an ohel. It is an ohel. And the fact that it doesn't, that the tuma doesn't go from under the extension area to the main body of the beam, that would indicate that we require chavud rami, and because it's less than a tefach, there's no chavud rami in this case. But uh, Rab Chaim's idea, Rab Chaim's approach that Tuma doesn't need chavud rami, it just naturally, so to speak, goes from one ohel to the next, even without that unity. That uh, does not seem to be correct because then it should go from the extension, which again is an ohel, it's connected to an ohel. So it should go from there to the main part of the beam. So uh, at the end of this whole back and forth, Rab Chaim says that it must be that Tuma does require Chavud Rami. And- Cloud is powering tomorrow's transformative missions. Federal agencies are partnering with SAIC to help them meet these critical moments. Where bold moves require confident blueprints. Where you can accelerate transformation through consistency. Where you can innovate forward and never look back. SAIC quickly and securely migrates large-scale workloads to the cloud with the confidence you need to assure your mission. Learn more at saic.com slash cloud. And if that's the case, then we're back to the original question on this shita and the Rishonim that holds that the Chavud Rami has to fit perfectly, but we have all these cases from Tuma where it's clear that it's not fitting and still we apply Chavud Rami. And now Rab Chaim has another question on the first approach, which is, he had suggested that Chavud Rami would apply to Tuma. Again, this is uh, in his first approach trying to say that you generally don't need Chavud Rami and Tuma, but uh, the exception would be if the upper beam is more than a tefach and the lower beam is less than a tefach. So in that situation, we would apply Chavud Rami in order to extend the Tuma under the lower beam. So he points out that this goes against the Gemara in Sukkah on Daf Chav Beis, which is dealing with this Sugya. That Gemara is dealing with the case of a higher and a lower beam, and it says we view as if the higher beam goes down and the lower beam goes up. So you see that this is a two-way direction. It's not just that the higher beam goes down and the lower beam can be less than a tefach, but the lower beam has to be able to come up, uh, which would mean that it has to be already a tefach. This is a halacha, chavud rami, where you take one ohel and another ohel, and you put them together. But uh, we don't apply chavud rami if one of these ohels is not a proper ohel, even if it's the lower one. And Rab Chaim also points out that a chavud rami does not create an ohel. 
the halacha of Chavud Rami is to combine two Ohalim. So you already have two existing Ohalim without the Chavud Rami, and the Chavud Rami creates this connection, this unity. But uh, it does not create an Ohel where there was not one existing. So because of that, says Rav Chaim, if the lower beam would not be a Tefach to begin with, then we couldn't even apply Chavud Rami over here because you can't view the lower beam as going up. Now, he does point out that the Rav Kahana and Rav Ashi have a shakovitaria in Sukkah about how exactly this halacha works, and the Rav Kahana uh, answers Rav Ashi's question by saying that that halacha, which we just quoted, is not a case of Chavud Rami. It's a case where, we, where it's within three Tfachim, so we view it as if it's all connected. It's uh, really a Lovud case. That's how uh, it also seems to imply in Erevin, Dafyadalid. That's how the sugya there understands it. So uh, according to Rav Kahana, we would not have this question that Rav Chaim's asking because the Gemara is not saying at the end of the day that Chavud Rami has to be both in both directions, that the upper goes down and the down goes up. We have no uh, raya to that when it comes to Chavud Rami. Uh, but says Rav Chaim that according to Rav Ashi, who asked the question, and he uh, does hold that that halacha is based on Chavud Rami. So uh, according to Rav Ashi, we do see that Chavud Rami has to be in both directions. It has to be able to go both from the upwards down and from the downwards, the lower beam upwards. And uh, he quotes that the, the Rambam and the Pirsha Mishnayis and all those Perikyud Beis, also when he talks about Chavud Rami with beams, so he says that uh, we see it as if the lower ones go up and the upper ones go down. So uh, you see this two-way direction in the Rambam and the Pirsha Mishnayis, and uh, that's like the simple reading of the Gemara and Sukkah, the way Rav Ashi understands it, that Chavut Rami has to be in both directions. So uh, according to the Rambam and Rav Ashi's position, uh, we would have to apply Chavut Rami only in a case where the lower beam is also already a tefach, just like the higher beam. And uh, that would be a, a second question on Rav Chaim's first approach, that Chavut Rami only applies when the lower beam is less than a tefach. So in summary, Rav Chaim now says that uh, having proved that Tumah, that the, uh, the halachas of Ohalos certainly is based on Chavud Rami, so therefore we have the, the three questions that, that he asked before, uh, which is from the case of the two beams, the case of the window, and the case of the lattice beams that uh, crisscross. So in all of those cases, it's very clear, uh, Rav Chaim says, unlike these Rishonim, that the Chavud Rami has to be a, a direct fit, but the, you see that Chavud Rami can be even if it does not fit properly. Um, and therefore, Rab Chaim does not accept the Kesef Mishnah's reading in the Rambam that the Rambam holds like this position. And the, the question that Rab Chaim has is, what then does the Rambam mean by saying that it has to be parallel, that the upper schach has to be parallel to the space uh, of the lower schach section? So now Reb Chaim suggests a second approach, uh, which is totally different than what he's been discussing so far, and uh, it totally is unlike the Kesef Mishnah, a new way to understand this Rambam. And that is that Reb Chaim says the Rambam is not really referring to Chavud Rami. He's talking about the halachas of Lavud. That's the uh, issue that the Rambam is addressing in the last line. And that is based on, there's a machlokas in the Gemara and Sukkah and Daf Yud Ches, 
uh, whether we apply a lavud in the middle. So uh, the Gemara talks about over there, if you have some space in the middle of your schach, there's uh, empty space and you fill it in with uh, non-kosher schach. So would that be kosher? And uh, the Gemara records a machlokis about whether we apply lavud, uh, that if there's less than three tfachim, we uh, view this as a continuous wall or continuous schach. Do we say that in the middle of the sukkah? So Rab Chaim proves from this that the only reason why some space in the schach is kosher is because of lavud. Right? If we would not accept lavud, let's say, for example, the shita that doesn't accept it in the middle of the sukkah, so then we wouldn't apply lavud and space in the middle would be puzzle even if there was a little bit. So says Rab Chaim, that's what the Rambam is trying to correct in this case. You have this uneven schach, and if there's going to be empty space, so then you're going to have a separate problem, which is there's no lavud because there's more than three tfachim between the two pieces of schach. Says the Rambam, the schach the upper section has to be directly parallel to where the lower section ends so that there's no break in the schach. Because chavud rami helps you that we view it as if the schach is unified. It's a continuous running schach because we view it as if the upper section of the schach is combined with the lower section. But chavud rami does not solve the problems of lavud. Only lavud could solve that. And here, because you have more than three tfachim between the upper section and the lower section, we don't have lavud, and therefore there cannot be a break in the schach. So this is Rab Chaim's explanation of why it has to be parallel. It's not in order to resolve any chavud rami issues, but rather it's in order to resolve the lavud issues. And the deeper conceptual point would be that chavud rami even though we view it, it's a similar principle to Lovud in the sense that halachically we view it as if the upper section is below and it combines with the lower section, but Chavud Rami does not resolve the problems of Lovud. So if you were to have space between these two sections of Schach, it would be considered just empty space and that would passel the Sukkah. And Rab Chaim proves this from a an, an similar halach in the Rambam. This is in Perek Dalid. If the walls are on the ground, but they don't reach the schach. So there's empty space between the short wall and the schach. So, so the Rambam Paskins, as long as the wall is ten tvachim high, even if it's a far distance, it's even a few amos away from the schach, it's still kosher. Uh, but the uh, sections of the wall, the wall on the bottom, has to be parallel to the edge of the roof, the edge of the schach. So says Rab Chaim again, why do we need it to be parallel? Where did this halacha of parallel come from? That halacha over there of the walls has nothing to do with Chavut Rami. That is based on another one of these similar principles, which is Gurasig Mechitzasa, that the, the wall goes all the way up. And did the Rambam even paskins that even if you'd put it on the corners of the roof, so we would still apply gudasik mechitzasa. So when you have a short walls in the sukkah that don't reach the schach, we're viewing it as if the wall is going all the way up. It has nothing to do with chavud rami. So says Rab Chaim, if the rule of parallel was because of chavud rami, there would be no reason to apply it to walls. It must be that the rule of parallel is because of the lavud problems, and that's why we apply it also to the case of the walls, even though there's no chavud rami, 
But if the schach and the walls are disconnected, there's a space, so then we're going to have this problem, and we have no lavud to resolve it. So that's why the Rambam over there points out that it has to be parallel. There cannot be empty space between the schach and the area of the walls. And says Rab Chaim, that would be the same thing with the sukkah meduvlelis, our case where you have uneven schach, that the, the reason the Rambam says there cannot be space between the upper and the lower is because of this lavud issue. If it would be less than three tfachim, then we would say lavud and it would be okay. But since you have three tfachim over here, so if there's space, empty space is going to be a problem, there's no lavud, and that's why it has to be parallel. But in terms of the chavud rami, it doesn't matter if it's parallel or not. That's, it doesn't have to be a perfect fit in any way. Uh, but the chavud rami is not going to resolve the problem of empty space. And now Reb Chaim raises a, a question on this claim that chavud rami and lavud don't work together. So he quotes the Gemara in Erevin on Daftes. Rav Ashi there has a case where you have a opening to an alleyway and you want to create a doorway. So you have a beam. There's some pegs you put in there and on top of that you put a beam. And uh, Rav Ashi says that the pegs are not more than three tfachim high. The slope, the angle of them is not more than three tfachim. So therefore, we would apply both Lavud and Chavud Rami. The Chavud Rami brings the, the beam down and makes it a doorway, so it combines with the walls. And the Lavud makes it that there's no space in between them. So the Gemara says that you would have thought maybe you only say Lavud or you only say Chavud, you can't put them together, so Kamash Malan, that you do put them together. Now, the Rashba in Erevin has a question, which is, why do you need the Chavud Rami at all? Since in this case it's less than three tfachim, we should just apply lavud, and that should view it as if there's a continuous section of wall going on between the wall and this beam. So that should take care of all of the problems. And why does the Gemara need to apply chavud rami in this case at all? So the Rashba explains that the reason you need chavud rami is because there is three more than three tfachim between the beam and the wall when you look at it from the diagonal. The pegs, the parts that are connecting the beam to the wall, those do not have more than three. But uh, the way an angle is, it can be longer than the two sides, uh, you know, on the side. That's a triangle. So this angle is more than three tfachim. And that's why we cannot apply lavud automatically. First, we need to do chavud rami. We see it as if the beam goes down into the walls. It, it's, we view it as if it goes down, and then we can apply Lavud. So says Rab Chaim, from this Rashba, it seems very clear that Chavud Rami can take care of a problem. It can resolve an issue of empty space because the angle is more than three Tfachim. And according to the Rashba, the way we deal with that is Chavud Rami. So this would go against his reading of the Rambam. As we've just seen, uh, according to Rab Chaim's reading of the Rambam, he's explicitly saying that Chavud Rami cannot resolve the problem of empty airspace. Whereas this Rashba is saying that Chavud Rami can overcome the problem of empty airspace. So Reb Chaim says that for the Rambam, we would suggest a different answer to the Rashba's question. And that is that unlike the Rashba, there is no three Tfachim even in the angle. So in the case of the Gemara, everything is less than three Tfachim, both the pegs and the sides and the angle. Uh, that's why we can apply Lavud. Now, why do we need a Chavud Rami at all then? That's the Rashba's question. Why don't we just say Lavud 
and that will take care of all the problems. So Rab Chaim says that there's a basic difference between Lavud and Chavut Rami. That the Lavud does not make it as if it's actually connected. Lavud views it as if there's a continuous wall, but that doesn't mean that it's actually connected to each other. That's what Chavut Rami does, that it views it as if we take the beam and lower it, and it's the doorway of the wall. So based on Reb Chaim's approach, we would say that Lavud only applies if it's within three Tfachim of the wall. You cannot extend Lavud beyond that, even with Chavud Rami. They do not work together in that situation. And when the Gemara said that you would have thought you only say Lavud or you only need Chavud, meaning you need both of them, it's not because they're working together, but it's because you need both of them to each one to solve its own problem. The Chavut resolves the problem that this beam is not on the same level as the wall. It's above the wall. So how do you get the beam down to be the doorway of the wall? So that's what Chavut resolves. And then the Lavut comes to resolve a separate problem, which is that the be- the width, the beam does not reach the wall on the sides. It's not touching so for that, Lavud views it as if it's all connected. But this would be in line with the Rambam's approach that Chavut does not take care of the problems of Lavud. And now Rab Chaim says that according to the approach based on the Rambam, he can also resolve Tosus's question because Tosus asks, why does the Gemara say that in order to apply Chavut, it has to be less than three Tfachim? The Gemara in Sukkah that our sugyan Chavbeis explicitly says that even if there's more than three tfachim, you could say Chavud Rami. So why does the Gemara and Erevin require to be within three tfachim? Even if it's more than three tfachim, we should still be able to say Chavut and bring it down. So Tosos answers that there's another halacha, that even though there is Chavud Rami for more than three tfachim, but lo have a heker. It's not apparent. You can't see clearly that this beam is the roof of this doorway. So Reb Chaim explains what Tosus is trying to say is that, of course, Chavud Rami does actually make this a roof. That's the whole halacha of Chavud Rami. We view it even though it's not on the same level as if it came down. So why shouldn't this be a perfectly good doorway? So Tosos adds there's another criteria that there has to be a hacker. It has to be easy to see and apparent that this is the roof of this doorway. It's part of this structure. But if it's not clear, meaning it's more than three tfachim up, so then it would not be included in the doorway and Chavud Rami can't overcome that other issue, even though Chavud Rami makes it part of the structure and it makes it the roof, but it cannot get over the problem that there's no heker, that you can't see it easily. But Rab Chaim says that according to his approach in the Rambam, that the Lavud and the Chavut are unrelated. Each one of them is coming to resolve a separate issue. So now we could explain, we could answer Tosos in a simpler way. Yes, it's true that Chavud Rami applies even if there's more than three Tfachim between them. That's the Gemara in Sukkah. So if the only problem in this case of Erevin was the Chavud Rami, that it was too high, so then yes, even if it's more than three Tfachim, you could apply it. But since here you have a separate, another problem, not only is it too high, but it's also not touching the sidewalls, so you need to apply not just Chavud, but also Lavud, and each of them is their own equation, they're not working together, the Lavud is separate from the Chavud, so as Rabbi Chaim said, Lavud always has to be within three, so there is no way 
to resolve the lavud unless it's going to be within three tfachim, and that's why the Gemara insists that it has to be within three tfachim. But the truth is that the chavud rami, if that was the only issue, uh, as it is in the Gemara and Sukkah, so then it could be, it could transcend even a space of three tfachim. But lavud is not able to do that, and therefore it needs to be within within three tfachim. And Tosvos, who asks this question, that why can't it be more than three, so he must hold like the Rashba, who disagrees on the Rambam, and says that Chavud Rami does work with lavud, it can resolve even the problem of lavud, of open space. So uh, that's why Tosvos asks that why can't it be even more than three tfachim? Because once you have chavud rami, then that should take care of it and that should resolve the problem even with regard to the lavud. So uh, at the end of the day, Tosvos and the Rashbar of the opinion that chavud rami overcomes the issue of too much space. It can overcome the three tfachim and to help out even where lavud can't help out. And the Rambam, according to the way Rab Chaim's reading that final line, the Rambam's explicit chiddush is that Chavud Rami brings the wall down, it brings the schach down, but it does not overcome the issue of empty space. Only Lavud can do that, and therefore it needs to be either within three tfachim, or you can't have any open space, like in the case of the sukkah that has uneven schach. And says Rab Chaim, one last point, that this would explain why the Rambam omitted this whole case of Rav Ashi and Erevin with the beam, which is above the alleyway opening. According to Tosus and the Rashba's reading, there's a major chiddush in this case, because the beam, the angle of the beam, is more than three tfachim away from the wall. And still... It's kosher because we apply both Chavud Rami and Lavud. So the Chavud Rami brings it down, uh, metaphorically in Halacha, and then the Lavud kicks in to make it kosher. So this is a major chiddish according to the way Tosis and the Rashba read it, and if that's the way the Rambam read it, then he certainly should have put this in the Halacha. He should have mentioned this Halacha, that it's kosher. So why did the Rambam leave out this whole case? So says Rab Chaim, this is a proof to the way that he just explained it, that the Rambam read the Gemara as saying that it, there is no angle of more than three tfachim. The beam is always within three tfachim, uh, both on the angle. Every part of it is less than three tfachim. And that's why the Lavud applies. And the Lavud and the Chavud Rami are two separate parts of the equation. They're not working together. The Chavud Rami does not enable the Lavud. Nothing like that. The Chavud Rami resolves the problem that the beam is too high and it brings it down, and the Lavud resolves the problem that it's not touching the walls, and it creates the halacha of a continuous wall. But each of them is working separately, and that's why when the Rambam came to write his halacha sefer, he didn't feel a need to add in this separate case of Rav Ashi, even though it's in the Gemara, so of course it's true, but uh, the Rambam held that he already mentioned it. He already discussed Lavud, and he said Lavud has to be within three tfachim, and he already mentioned Chavud Rami, that it brings down the upper section. So we already know all of the chidushim in this Gemara. There is no separate chidush, there is no additional chidush, the way Tosos and the Rashba read it, that Chavud Rami enables the Lavud. According to the Rambam, this Gemara is just mentioning Lavud, and it's mentioning Chavud, and both of those were already mentioned, and that's why the Rambam omitted it. So this would be proof the fact that the Rambam excludes any mention of this case to Reb Chaim's reading of the Gemara, that the Rambam read it that way, 
uh, differently from Tosos and the Rashba. So uh, in conclusion, Rav Chaim would say that the Rambam, the Rashba's source from the Gemara and Erevin, that Chavud Rami can resolve the problem of open space. According to the Rambam, there is no source for that. He reads that Gemara differently. And that is why the Rambam in Hilchus Sukkah says that if you are applying Chavud Rami to the Sukkah, it has to be parallel. It's not the way the Kesef Mishnah understood it, that the Rambam is telling us Chidushim and how Chavud Rami applies, that it has to fit in perfectly. But the Rambam is actually dealing with a separate issue, which is that since Chavud Rami cannot resolve the problem of open space, if you're going to have open space between the two sections of Schach, in, in the second case of the Rambam, where you do not have three Tfachim, you have more than three Tfachim between them, so you do not have Lovud anymore. So in that case, says the Rambam, you would have to make them parallel to make sure that there is no empty space whatsoever, and then all you need to do is bring the upper section down, and uh, for that, we can apply Chavud Rami. So that's Rab Chaim's explanation of this last line in the Rambam, that the upper part of the uneven schach has to be parallel. It has to start right where the lower schach ends. So in summary, and this is a very technical piece, so if you're still with us, a big Yasher Koach, uh, Reb Chaim is dealing with the Rambam at the end of the Halacha of the uneven schach. He says that it has to be parallel. The Kesef Mishnah reads that as a limitation on when you can apply Chavud Rami, that Chavud Rami has to practically make sense. Reb Chaim has a number of questions on that from Tuma. Uh, we have cases where there is Chavud Rami going on. We're bringing the upper beam down and uh, it does not seem to fit in perfectly. So that would be a question on the Kesef Mishnah. Reb Chaim tries to say that maybe there's a difference between Sukkah and Tuma, that for Sukkah we need Chavud Rami because the structure has to be unified. But for Tuma, it doesn't matter if the two different roofs are unified. It just needs to transport the Tuma all over to extend it into under all of the roofs. And for that, you don't need Chavud Rami. Uh, but Reb Chaim backs off from that. He says that that does not seem to be the case. And uh, both Tuma and Sukkah both rely on the rule of Chavud Rami. So uh, based on that, Reb Chaim says that the Rambam is actually teaching us a different halacha, nothing to do really with Chavud Rami. Um, it has to do with Lavud. There's a problem here that if you have two uneven schach pieces and they're more than three tfachim away, and if there's space in the middle, then that's a problem. The way we normally resolve space in the middle is from Lavud, which views it as continuous. But uh, here there's space in the middle and there's no Lavud, so that's why the Rambam says it's parallel. And this gets us into a big machlokus rishonim that Reb Chaim points out, the Rashba, and he proves Tosos also seem to hold that Chavud Rami would help resolve the issue of space in between. Uh, but the Rambam disagrees. The Rambam has a, a, very, a much stronger distinction between Lavud. Lavud is what solves the problem of space and creates a continuous structure, a continuous wall or schach. Uh, but when it comes to Chavud Rami, that's not how it works. All it can do is bring the upper part down. But in order to create this continuity, you need to apply Lavud. So that is the Kiddush of the Rambam, that even though you have Chavud Rami, you still cannot apply Lavud, and uh, you would need to make sure that it's parallel in actuality. There's no halachic principles that will help you here. You need to actually make sure that it's parallel and there is no space between them. Chesterbrook Academy Preschool is here to help your child move forward academically, socially, and emotionally. You'll be amazed at the progress they'll make in our classrooms. 
They'll be ready for kindergarten and make lots of new friends in the process. So they'll be happy, and in turn, so will you. Contact us today to schedule an open house appointment starting at 10 a.m. on Saturday, January 22nd. Visit ChesterbrookAcademy.com to find a preschool near you. That's ChesterbrookAcademy.com. 